This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering Ipswich Town since 2015. I'm Craig Fimbo, and you're tuned into the pre-match show. Open brackets, Fleetwood home, close brackets. And we are in partnership with the Greyhound Ipswich, and we are available each week on video and podcast. Joining me this week, as usual, in his usual slot, is Seb Brown. And for those of you who are listening and who aren't quite as eagle-eyed YouTube visitors, we have a guest appearance for the first time this season, our very, very, very good friend, TWTD's Phil Ham. How are you guys? Fine, thank you. You well? Yeah, good to see you, Phil. Good to see you. Been a mm-hmm. been a while since your uh, your uh, was it groundbreaking and very popular interviews you did with with uh, Ben a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah, we uh, Kieran Dyer and Alan Lee. I thought they both went down. Both interviews went down very well. Uh, very interesting. We've got other ones coming up, uh, so watch this space relatively soon. Yeah, nicely done. And how are you, Seb? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Um, still buzzing after Tuesday night, and really looking forward to Fleetwood now. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Well, I say what we'll do, we'll we'll touch upon Portsmouth, and then uh, as Rich, not Rich and yourself normally do, we'll go through the. Uh, the opponents for this weekend. Um, now, in terms of uh, bits and pieces we've got, we better go through what very little news there was uh, subsequent to the uh, to the Portsmouth match. I'd better play Rich's bumper. There we go. Um, so we'll start with two bits of exciting sponsorship news. Um, now, earlier in the in the week. Um, it was announced that Blue Monday is sponsoring ITFC women's uh, pro and central midfielder, Abby Lafayette, for the remainder of the, the 21-22 season. Um, and we'll be speaking to her during the course of the season on how things are going. Um, on the back of that, um, top of the league, ITFC women face Bridgewater United after uh, a two-week break. And... It's going to be probably their real first test of the season. No judgment to the people they've played so far, but um, Bridgewater, I believe, are third in the league, obviously behind Ipswich and Southampton. Um, and it being a home game, the game will be at Felix Stone Walton's Gold Star Ground on Sunday. Kickoff 2 p.m. Five pound entry for adults, and uh, I believe your kids get in for free. And you'll see the the great and the good of. Uh, of Ipswich Town supporters there. It's getting more and more popular. And I say, no doubt, I think Rich and Dave are, are heading that way. Um, and secondly, our own equally exciting sponsorship news is that this pre-match show and all our pre-match shows from here on 
are now supported by our very good friends at the Greyhound, the only Ipswich venue to head to for your pre and post game chit chat for every town match. It's uh, an Adnams pub, so you know, you've got good beer, it's got a good beer garden, it's got good food. Um, I can thoroughly recommend the, the mosaic and the nachos. Um, my boy can recommend the chili burger. I know Seb, you've I've spotted you in there uh, a couple of times as well. It's a uh, it's a decent venue and it's a good little partnership we've got ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely superb. God, I've been going there for, for for years. It was there was a solid sort of five to seven year period where the the, the beers in the Greyhound at midday till two o'clock and then from from six o'clock to eight o'clock were by far the best parts of a Saturday. It was always the, <laughs> the football in the middle that really really used to ruin the day. So no, absolutely cracking pub. Uh, everyone get yourselves down there. The beer garden's fantastic. Now it's all been kitted out with the with the booths and stuff. And yeah, absolutely superb place to go. So the two the two hours before were to numb the pain and the four hours afterwards were just to forget about it. The, uh, the subsequent two hours of football, yeah? Exactly, yeah, to, to sit there and, and recap on the nil-nil draw. Um, and if now, if I were a polished uh, professional, I'd seamlessly segue between greyhounds and racehorses, but I'm well, not. Um, well, I think now, you're just done. I think yeah, you're just done. <laughs> yeah, professional level. Who, who needs Rich Woodward? Um, well, the, the, we'll have a vote on that later, shall we, along with the Room 101. Um <laughs> I'm not saying it's been a quiet news week, but the only other bit of news I've got is that Jay Tab is going to ride a racehorse at Wincanton on Sunday. Um, <laughs> words I probably never thought I'd I'd be saying, but um, it's a charity do. Um, yeah, he's Phil's um, had a had a story on it in the last day or so. Um, as I say, it's for charity. He's got a Just Giving page, so if you want to uh, take a look at Phil's news story, you can get the uh, the latest on that. Um, and I say that's yeah. pretty much it in, in terms yeah, of he's, he's, he's been um, he's a kind of renaissance man of sport isn't he Jay Tab because I think when he stopped playing he was a good golfer I think yeah he was off scratch wasn't he he played in um, what's it the, the Pro-Am thing at Wentworth is it that they that they have sort of prior to one of the, the major tournaments he played yeah, in that BMW uh, thing I think it is yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then when he retired from football he went and played Rugby Union rugby. Um, with his cousins, I think in Wimbledon. I think it was somewhere like that, and um, and then he, he got this interest in in horse racing, and he's been working at Philip Hobbs' um, stud in Somerset somewhere uh, for the last two years. We had him on um, Life's a Pitch at one point, talking he's, about he's, he's got no kind of real ambition to be a jockey as such, but there's this charity event that uh, that they, they do every year, and, and Michael Owen rode in it at one point and uh, and and he's got the nod to go in it this year so uh good luck really? to him Lovely brother, J-Tab. Uh, a lot of time for him well he's certainly living his best life isn't he you know he's, he's not letting the grass grow under his feet is he since retirement as you say he's he's thrown himself into into most things that you always wanted to do so yeah fair play to the guy yeah 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 um so in terms of i say in terms of news that's that's pretty much what we've got but it would be very remiss of us not to uh to reflect again on on the match midweek um and obviously seb yourself and rich um went through it pretty much instantaneously as, as the final whistle was blowing on on tuesday night um but you know again i'll ask you for your thoughts on it um and phil obviously you know you were there reporting on it for for twtd um and on a a night when a, a lump of cheese was allegedly thrown at uh, at Paul Cook, we managed to find uh, more holes than a block of Emmental in the uh, in the Portsmouth defence. Um, well, from about forty minutes onwards, when there uh, when Macaulay Bond did his um, Marcus Stewart uh, Marcus Stewart impression, Paul Cook called it as complete a performance as we've had this season. Um, he's pretty much right, isn't he, Phil, in that respect? Well, it's complete in the sense that it was sort of over the 90 minutes, I suppose, what he means. Or, or rather, having got in front, we took it on and, and, and won the game comfortably. I think someone pointed out that we've been ahead at half-time. Uh, that was the sixth away game in a row we'd been ahead at half-time, which is a remarkable stat, isn't it? I, I can't imagine that's ever happened in the club's history before, to be honest. Maybe in the in the Robson era or the Ramsey era, but... Um, but we'd only, prior to Tuesday, only won two of those games. Um, obviously, Cambridge on Tell Saturday story. Was, was a case in point, really, that uh, 
that we got that game won, hadn't we? Two <laughs> 0 and and we allowed the opposition to to get back in it, and then I think it was a mindset thing Saturday. I don't know what you what your sort of uh, discussions are, have been about that. That we seem to kind of w- let them come on to us rather than sort of playing the game that that had got us to the position we were yeah. in, which certainly wasn't the manager's intention, was it? Because the manager put. Attack, made attacking substitutions and didn't invite pressure or the intention wasn't to invite pressure. Um, so, and then of course we then found ourselves in a very similar position at Portsmouth a few days later, we're one nil up. And actually what really, I thought we were, our performance was drifting a bit at one nil. Well, sort of once just before one nil, I thought we'd, we'd started off reasonably well, but, um, and there'd been not really been, there'd been one chance, hadn't there, which was Mar- Marcus Harness put wide for yeah, them. Yeah. And, yeah. and we've not really had anything, had we? Um, and then Macaulay Bond has, seems to have this habit of sort of, I don't know, not, not bullying, but kind of um, just pressuring keepers into making grievous errors. Uh, I don't know what, what the... what Because what, uh, Gavin Bazunu is a really good goalkeeper, isn't he? I think he's, he's going to be yeah. number one for some years to come, I think. And... Um, yeah. We saw how good he was with Rochdale last year, and whether it was the whether the wind took the ball away from him, and he, he seemed to sort of he was going to kick it, and then he sort of changed his mind and cut back inside. Now whether because it was really windy, I don't know whether this sort of yeah. came across. Necessarily. Yeah, it was only really when we got down on the pitch at the end that we kind of noticed quite how windy it was. But um, whether the wind took the ball away from him, he changed his mind, and 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 Macaulay Bond was fantastic in that situation, really, wasn't it? One to win the ball. Two, then to kind of reach it on the on the touchline, the then touch have the line, presence yeah. of mind to take that touch inside to sort of the goalkeeper going sliding past him in a almost sort of comedic fashion, and then to lash it. It was a really, really good goal, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But there was a lot to do at that point, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, that's the surprise thing because when the when the keeper had the ball initially, he had the he had a guy left of him, didn't he? He had it was either left back or the left centre half was five yards away just to his yeah. left but for whatever reason decided not to lay it that way and cut back inside presumably. it's funny though the fans made them a bit nervy in that moment because there was a they were passing it backwards and forwards weren't they at the back and i think one of the centers might have been raggett sort of passed it back to to the keeper um and the keeper was kind of out of his ground and there was this kind of momentary kind of wonder whether it was actually going in to start with you know what i mean he'd, he'd overhit the back pass where the um, sort of beyond the goalkeeper anyway so there's a oh, and I wonder whether that sort of you know kind of translated itself onto the pitch and, and made the keeper a bit more nervy and of course he had a bit of a howler at the weekend as well yeah well the goal I think the, I think it was the second goal for Rotherham um that he it was it was a relatively easy one he dropped it and then it was followed up from there so he was probably a bit nervy due to that as uh, as, as 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 much as anything else anyway but yeah but at, at half time really we still had a lot to do didn't we i thought um it was it wasn't a fate accompli by any stretch of the imagination i think that you know you'd probably of the two you'd have thought that cambridge was the game that um was was the easier that one to see out from that position yeah what was what was quite um, evident, I thought the first half an hour, certainly, or first quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, was that we we weren't mucking about at the back on Tuesday. We were getting it clear, you know, yeah. we were getting it up the pitch, away from our danger area, if nothing else, presumably just to keep the, the crowd quiet and keep you know to dampen things down a bit. Just keep it away from our goal for the first fifteen twenty minutes. Work your way into the game, and as you said, Phil, it wasn't it, a nil nil at half time. Wouldn't have been a particularly unfair result. No, not at all. There, was, there wasn't an awful lot of quality flying around, was there, in the first half? It was a pretty uh, pretty ropey first half, if all things considered. But obviously, it gets masked by the, the second half, didn't it, Seb, where it went, uh, we went a bit gold crazy. And, you know, our friend Danassian was not only defending well, but coming up with his assist as well. Yeah, absolutely superb, wasn't it? What was great, obviously, we we seem to have faded, like like Phil just said. We've been ahead so many times at halftime and stuff, and we just seem to fade in the second half of games, don't we? At the start of the season, we were saying it was fitness, and then we were saying, is there like a mental fragility? But it, it was great the way we just kept on going. Danassian was bombing forward like a like I've seen things on uh, on Twitter comparing him calling the Caribbean Cafu and stuff, and it was absolutely <laughs> superb play from him, wasn't it? And we just absolutely took them to bits. And it was the second goal was clinical, obviously. That was the the, the really lovely finish by Chaplin, just just stroked into the far corner back at his old club and then after that you know we just the, the keeper has a howler for the third one and the uh, the final one Nassian again bombing forward picks out Burns lovely and he slots home and the, the crowd had turned at that point and it was just great to see that we you know we, we not only did we, we see the game out in the 
the 10, 15 minutes after halftime, but we kept going. Things didn't drop. People didn't seem to to lose fitness or anything. And it was an absolutely superb performance. But but what's crucial given the the drop points on Saturday is that we really look to follow up now, isn't it, on on, on, on Saturday against Fleetwood? Yeah. It, was sort of, it was sort of, sorry, sorry, I'll just say, it's sort of, it was sort of an ideal scenario for Paul Cook in that he's already told us he wants to make attacking substitutions when we're ahead and then just keep the impetus going, doesn't it? And it, this was the textbook ideal match for him. It just all clicked and it all worked exactly how he wanted it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say about, but talking about um, January Danassian being so far forward. Second, that was exactly the, the opposite at Cambridge, wasn't it? We kind of retreated, and and we weren't pushing. Fullbacks weren't pushing forward. We weren't um, keep moving the game up the pitch in that that way. We were kind of just sort of inviting pressure, and that that was something. Again, yeah, I think mindset, sort of mentality. There just seemed to be. I think the fact that we scored on fifty four and fifty eight minutes. I think that kind of. Um, not, you know, really not they, the stuffing out of them, didn't it? Exactly, yeah, absolutely not the stuffing out of them. They're, they're, I mean, they're on a terrible run anyway. They conceded four Saturday as well, didn't they? Um, and, and so heads just dropped and that was that, wasn't it? There was absolutely no way back from there. And I think we perhaps needed that sort of performance away from home because there's that that sort of jitteriness about us. Um, and perhaps we are getting to... I, I, I agree with what you were saying about talking about... Um, lack of fitness and things. The number of times after games, Paul Cook's talked about a player and he said, well, yes, he's had a hard pre-season because he, you know, he's had COVID or he's had an injury. And he, he must have said that about several players, yeah. probably about half, half the squad that have, that have had pre-season interrupted for one season or another or a, or a, um, or a pre-season that kind of was, uh, uh, or they weren't in pre-season until they joined us relatively late in the summer. Like Kyle Edwards, for example, I don't think was at a club until he, he was sort of flitting around from on trial at various places, wasn't he? And so yeah. I think it's taken quite a few players a little while to get up to speed. Um, and perhaps we're showing signs of play, well, Connor Chaplin being an example of it. He, he, he didn't have a, a, a proper pre-season as such. And he's now kind of got to, I think, I think he said the game at Gillingham was his first 90 minutes. And, um, and now he's, he's sort of really established himself in that number 10 role for the, for the moment, of course, until he, and until someone else comes in, because it is remarkable that we're, we're talking about winning four nil away from home. And Burst and Selena came on for the last five minutes or so, didn't he? Who was probably seen as our most dangerous player by many people, I would guess. Well, this is it. And you know, you would, I don't think you'd have got many people taken up, you know, given the opportunity to to decide what their first eleven would be, would have Sonia Luco in it alongside Danassian and and Enciala. And you know, I appreciate Enciala's been in only for the last match, but for Aluko and Danassian to be two of our standout performers, really, mm. in terms of the last you know two or three games, I've been very yeah, impressed Luko. with Aluko. I can say Aluko is probably one of our highest profile signings over the summer, because um, you know you look at his. His CV is probably as yeah. impressive as anybody. Maybe uh, Selena, having started at a Manchester City. Other than that, really, I think he's probably the one that's uh, that's sort of done the most in the game. But obviously, he's the one who's thirty-two as well, so has had a chance to do that. But um, yeah, I think he obviously had a a difficult start against Newport. But again, he's another one who who wasn't with a club until exactly, he joined yeah. that. Um, he was Darby uh, and else, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I think George Edmondson was another one who I think when he joined the club, he'd, he'd had an injury over pre-season. And they, if, I don't think he played for four weeks after he joined us, did he? And and that was not so much the injury, but getting him fit, getting him up to, getting him up to uh, up to speed before he kind of got up and running. And and I think that's been the case with a lot of them. And perhaps we're finally seeing that that happening now. I mean, the other thing, we, you look at the other big result we've had, Doncaster. Um, I mean, we followed that up with the the Accrington um, defeat. Um, with exactly the same eleven, well, you wonder how much that was impacted by the fact that the players were, you know, not as fit as they should be at that stage and not able to play two games in however many days it was. And and um, whereas Tuesday, um, Paul Cook made a few changes from the eleven on Saturday, even though for most of that game we were well on top. He he made a few changes, and I think perhaps he's feeling more that. Because I think he 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 is of that old school, isn't he? You don't change a winning team. He said that on a number of occasions. But at the same time, I think he's perhaps realizing that there is a that you may have to more often than perhaps he would like because players are not perhaps as fit as he he would like them, and that that uh, and obviously he's got a squad that he can do that with. And and he's probably got a a, a raft of sports scientists and yes, people behind him who exactly. are telling him 
that you know it's, it might be sensible to to do such a thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they, you know, with their their iPads on the touchline, I think you know, sort of pointing out load and all this kind of thing, and who should, who might come off that that kind of uh, situation. I think it is sort of as as stark as that. And what's great as well is those those squad guys. Sorry, sorry, Craig. Those <laughs> squad on. guys obviously come in, and there's no drop off, is there, in terms of performance and stuff? It's great. In in the past, we've seen big players drop out of the side, and we simply never had the options in the squad to replace them effectively, which would lead to a a poor team performance or a, a dodgy run of results. But this year, you know, you you rest Wes Burns against against Cambridge. His replacement scores two goals, makes himself undroppable. Scores in the next game. It's it's great. There's there's no noticeable drop off now because the squad is so healthy in those in those kind of places. And also during matches as well, you know, as Wes Burns comes on during a match, does he? There's, there's no, there's no letter. You look at our bench, and there were, you know, occasions last year where you look at the bench, and think, oh crikey, you know, if we lose X, Y, Z, we're gonna, it's gonna be a, a decent drop off. But you know, you really cannot see much. They're all much of a matches on the bench, and it literally is. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed, Touchwood. From now on, it's going to be a case of tactical replacements to replace what's already there, just to keep that that momentum going, rather than. Now, obviously, we'll get injuries here and there. But um, in terms of um, Paul Cook, he, he said afterwards, you know, you don't get medals in October. There's no promotions. There's no relegations. But you, you can go a long way to giving up automatic promotion in October if, if, if you're not picking up those results. You know, teams at the top, they're not, they're not letting up much, are they? No. But, I, yeah, I, I take his point. And he's, he obviously tries to kind of put a lid on that sort of thing, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? Uh, um, when he was talking a lot about, um, you know, when the goings, trying to keep on an even keel, whether we're doing well or whether we're doing badly, despite the fact he was grinning his head off <laughs> on Tuesday night and having been sort of, you know, looked fairly down in the dumps after a few matches, which, you know, unsurprising. <laughs> Managers are people too, aren't they? And, um, but yeah, you can you can you can lose you can lose a season in in October, can't you, to some degree? Yeah. But you can uh, and and uh, but you, I think there's plenty of time. I mean, this sort of discussions of, of of kind of have we given ourselves enough time to reach the top two or whatever? I mean, we're five points in the playoffs. I mean, that's just you know is it, easily done, isn't it? Um, and, and the top two, I think you just have to look back at. The, the past few seasons, really, that teams that have been at the top have tended to fall away in most cases. Um, us being <laughs> one of the most notable people that uh, clubs that have done that. Um, but Lincoln last year, I thought Lincoln were going into the, the latter stage of the season looking very strong and they drifted away from the automatic um, uh, areas. And and I think that's, um, I mean, if, if one of the sides at the top at the moment carries on as they are, I think they're going to thoroughly enjoy thoroughly deserve promotion because they're going to be on a hundred and so many points, aren't they? With the, on the, on the kind of, uh, if they're, if they're carrying on in the manner that they are at present. So, um, but I think there's plenty of time and we, I think we've known because of all the changes over the summer, that it was going to be a build that we we're going to, it was going to take some time. I don't think, I don't think we anticipated it being a slower start as it has been, but, um, I, I, th I think we always kind of anticipated that we'd be we'd be chasing rather than the team to be chased. I think we do. Have, we'd been. It's one of those things. If we'd have won the first two games, um, which again, you know, most games have been settled one goal. Most of the games we've lost or drawn, you know, most of the games we've lost, it's been one goal either way, hasn't it? We, we've not really been kind of, uh, with the exception of Bolton, we've uh, we've been fairly kind of. They've been fairly close games, and if we'd have got a couple of early wins, you could have seen us kind of going on from there with that kind of momentum you get out of early wins even though the, the squad was still settling in but um i think it was more realistic to anticipate there being a bit of a kind of settling in period and uh, and 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 so i kind of think from here given the strength of the squad we should really be kind of viewing the potential for the squad as sort of picking up more points per game than than his average do you know what i mean or his average for a team that is challenging towards the top of the division we ought to be better than than um than, than most sides fr um, chasing from our position if that makes sense yeah and, and the thing is when, when but when you look at uh, i'm going to call them facts they're not they're stats like the the xg and the xg against oh they are they're looking pretty good in our favor aren't they the xg against is relatively low the number of goals we're scoring is relatively high so it's it has been you know that one shot our first shot that we've conceded in a match has it invariably ended up in the top corner of our goal for example, isn't it? So, it, as you say, it's been 
has been fine margins. Um, do you think to some degree that's to do with the approach a lot of the teams have taken against us? Because um, a lot of teams are just defending against us, aren't they? You know what I mean? They're not, they're not coming out to play much football against us and then it's they'll get a set piece and that'll be their first chance or, or whatever. And then, um we're not uh, we're not going to have a huge amount of um, there's not a huge amount of expectancy of opposition teams scoring goals against us if you see what I mean that they're they're not going to create loads of chances in most cases um, and, and and of course we're going to get in positions where we can potentially score goals but we're finding ourselves up against teams that are defending in depth and it, it makes it tougher for us to having said that of course we have scored more goals than anyone else in the division yeah. haven't we already so. Yeah. Yeah, what, what's, and what's quite reassuring, I was trying to reassure myself, should I say, is that the goals that we have conceded, it's not as if we've been flooding upfield and getting caught on the break and you know, people are breaking on us and scoring goals in that respect. So the goals, I say, the goals we are conceding have been neither from a set piece or a missed header from central defence. So you could see that the attack's working and the defence is sort of working in a perverse sort of way. So it's not as if we're going to have to rein back the attacking to concentrate on the defending because the goals that we are conceding aren't really related to us scoring the goals and flooding ourselves up, up the pitch, if you see what I mean. Anyway. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I was sort of thinking, saying that, that teams have, that we've, that teams haven't taken the game to us so much, whereas we've, in periods of games, we've invited club teams onto us, I think is, do you see what I mean? And and, and they've tended to score in those periods, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, look at Cambridge Saturday. I mean, literally, really, they'd done nothing until that first goal, had they? And um, that, I mean, that was the kind of classic sort of counter-attack, really, wasn't it? Um, but, I, yeah, as you say, I'm not sure how many of goal, how many goals have been like that. Maybe one of the ones against Morecambe was a bit like that, I think. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, but I think we're getting better at the back, aren't we? I think the, I think that's the key. Um, I think that Christian Walton, I think, looked pretty solid the other night. Uh, he didn't really have a whole lot to do, but he, he had one save to make, which was about the 84th minute, didn't he, really? Um, yeah, post, yeah. And um, perhaps the, the the back four maybe have a bit more uh, confidence in him than they might, might have had in, in Hladke. But again, I think it's it's one of these things that they're all learning to play with one another, aren't they? And, um, yeah, and so they, you, are, you... But they are, but I think Hladke's been, he looks like nervous as a kitten in the matches, in most of the matches I've seen. And that, you know, and we've all seen the... Conversations, shall we say, between the the centre halves and the uh, and the goalkeeper, um, and you can just tell that he he doesn't, to my eyes, my untrained eye from a distance, he just doesn't seem to be giving that confidence to the guys who are who are in front of him. Anyway, anyway, let's 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 move on to uh, to this weekend. We've we've gone, we've done Portsmouth, we won that four now. Let's uh, let's see what we can do at the weekend, and we move on to Fleet. Word. This is your chance to shine here, Seb. This is this is your stage now, my friend. Um, so yeah, Fleetwood. What what do you know? Where where are they? Um, have we so done I, against in the past, etc.? Yeah. So as as things stand, they're sitting in twentieth, so they're not on a great run of form at the minute, which again makes it even more important that we take advantage of it. They've got thirteen points, played twelve, won three, drawn four, lost five, and they've scored twenty goals and they've conceded nineteen. Uh, the last time out mid midweek was a one nil defeat against Burton, where to be fair, they did actually play quite well. Burton kind of scraped a bit of a a, a bit of a, a shit house one uh, nil win there. They, um, they 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 kind of smashed and grabbed that a little bit, so they did play well, but they're not playing great. Uh, last season finished fifteenth. Um, obviously, we uh, we had a two nil defeat up there. Uh, Paul Cook, one of Paul Cook's very early games, and I seem to remember did he sub like Miles Kenlock after. At some point in the game, he took yeah. Kenlock was getting torn a new one, and I think he took him off and bought Warden, if I remember rightly. And he wasn't getting torn a new one by Wes Burns, was he? Yeah, I, th- I think he probably was. Yeah, yeah. And that, is that the one where Callum Connolly scored a header and it was a yes. long throw? And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, the one. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas very early Thomas on in his Hurley range, was, I think. Yeah, Thomas Hurley was shock horror flat-footed, I believe. And then on the uh, on the last game of the season, obviously beat them three one at home, and Wes Burns scored that goal where he just kept running and running and running, and clearly raised a few eyebrows, sat in the uh, in the technical areas and stuff of uh, of the home team. But yeah, so that was last season. Simon Grayson is in charge there at the moment. Uh, he replaced Joey Barton last January. Barton left a bit strangely, didn't he? And, and then turned up at, at Bristol Rovers now in now in League Two. Um, so fifteenth last season, their 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 peak was the COVID curtailed season when they finished they finished sixth. We won 
won there. I remember I was there, I think, with Rich and, yeah. and a couple of the guys. We won there. Yeah, okay. So it must have been November time, probably about this time yeah. two years ago. October, Jack- November, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Jackson followed up a, a Garbutt free kick, and we suddenly were like, what, five points clear and thinking oh, this league don't. one is so easy. And they did the hands at the end of the game. <laughs> uh, in game the in, we had a game in and- hand as well, didn't we, at that <laughs> yeah. point as well? Yeah. And Joey Barton had come out pre match and said, this is the worst Ipswich team of all time. And we thought, you know, we've shut him up now. It's going to be a, a gentle stroll to the finish line. And then, well, we all, we all know what happens. So, uh, yeah, Grayson's played 34 games, won 12, drawn nine, lost 13. So averaging 1.32 points per game. We all know him from the championship level, you know, Leeds and, and Preston and Blackpool. And then at Sunderland in that very brief, in the, in the relegation series, he was there for, what, the first 10 games of the season, was it? What, we, we battered them 5-2 and he was in the Netflix documentary, but he, he didn't last there long and got replaced by, uh, by Chris Cole. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Um... In terms of the, the recruitment, they've had eight arrivals. Whenever me and Rich do these things, every club seems to have had like eight to ten arrivals and yeah. then eight to ten departures. It's just, just what League it's, One level is, isn't it? It's the norm, isn't it? It's a churn. The churn of plays is just the norm. Yeah. So. I think also COVID has impacted on that as well because, of course, teams are offering shorter-term contracts than they would have been offering a little while ago. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got very much like non-league almost, isn't it? Yeah, it's all one one year deals, isn't it? With options in the club's favour, if need be, it's uh, it's not like it used to be, I guess. The key ins for, for some very strange reason, Joey Garner has swapped Sunny uh, Sunny Cypress for not so Sunny <laughs> Fleetwood, which, having been to both, is a, a really strange. I've seen both; it's a very strange decision to me. But then he always liked the the Northwest, didn't he? When he was down at us, he always wanted to move back up there to to Wigan and stuff. So fair enough if that's what you like. That's fair enough. He's not really playing for them. He's, he's made five sub appearances and and yet to score. But we know all about. Joey Garner, you know, if they're chasing the game with half an hour, 20 minutes to go, he's going to be thrown on and the likes of Enciala and Edmondson are going to have to be properly on their game because he's going to be all the tricks and all the little, you know, the dark hearts, shall we say, of, of, of being a striker. He's going to be looking to win those, those free kicks in and around the box. Anthony Pilkington, I remember we, Paul Lambert nearly signed him, if I'm right, didn't he? Didn't, wasn't he the, the target before we got Alan Judge for that number 10 role in the January transfer window of the of the relegation season i'm sure we nearly got him and he ended up going to wigan i think was the uh, yeah. where he went in the end i think they offered more money i think that was basically it i think uh yes i can't think where he was was he at cardiff at the time still um, rings a bell. yeah i think rings yeah, a bell. I, think, I think he was being released by cardiff and um or had been released by cardiff and yeah it, it was i think yeah just simply kind of someone offered slightly more money um but it yes. seems to be the sort of the sort of name that would appear in a lot of your news items, Phil, for, for just as a rumor that's been banded it's around. One of those be... that's been linked a lot over the years, yeah. isn't it? That's been mentioned a lot. Yeah, I think he's and he's been he was playing in India, wasn't he? Until um, he, he joined up with Fleetwood, which is, uh, uh, but I don't think it worked out terribly well for him there. And 
yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's getting towards the end of his career now. Uh, a bit of, uh, he's a canary, isn't he? A former canary. So uh, um, he's one who obviously will uh, presumably look to put something over on us. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a player who was a decent championship player in his day, wasn't he? Yeah, and obviously Lambert identified him as the as the one to do that number ten position, didn't he? he? Was he was thinking in that that position he was playing? He was the one that was going to really look to dictate the play. But obviously we went out and got Alan Judge instead. And then I completely forgot that Harry Wright was there till I was doing the uh, some of the research for it. I completely forgot they signed him in the uh, in the summer. He's only made a, an appearance in the Pizza Cup so far, um, but he's there sort of their reserve their reserve goalkeeper. And, and good to see him snapped up at this level because he, he you know he never really never got an appearance for us, and he was um, he was one of those I thought might drift drift out of the game a little bit, but good to see him at a decent level hmm, i think he's on loan at um farsley celtic at the moment um, oh, okay. getting some games um i think which is what he needs isn't it really uh, he didn't um he had a few loan spells here didn't he in, in similar sorts of clubs uh in non-league um but i think uh, yeah games is the thing he needs he, he must be getting off towards 21 22 now so uh and of course his father was playing in the premier league at 17 wasn't he so um but yeah he's he's um I mean, he, 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 I think he's he's not the tallest of keepers, is he? I think that's probably going in, in this era. I think because goal, goalkeepers are all about six foot five now, aren't they? Um, so I think he's he's a little below that, and so clubs might look at him and think, well, he's not he's not for us, sort of thing. But he needs to go somewhere, play a lot of games, and and establish himself because at the moment he's just seen as this sort of fella who's played a fair amount of under twenty threes football, isn't he? I remember Joe always said he was really good with his feet. I've I've never seen him play personally, but I remember Joe always used to say in the uh, in the academy games and the under twenty three games, he always had really really good distribution from his feet. He was able to to pick yeah. the ball out to a fullback really effortlessly, and that was kind of his his key his key uh, power in the game. Yes, he's a, yeah, a decent footballer, definitely as, as, a, as a goalkeeper. And of course, that's such a modern part of the goalkeeper's armoury, isn't it? To to to, to sort of uh, to be a footballer as well as a goalkeeper. Yeah. Three outs, uh, or three key outs, rather. Wes Burns, obviously, we all know, came to ourselves. Callum Connolly moved to the championship and went to Blackpool. That was quite a big loss. We were heavily linked. I remember at the start of the uh, the window, I think that was that was quite close to being done. There were there were there were rumours saying, you know, this one's going to get over the line, and for whatever reason, maybe maybe more money up at up at Blackpool or wanting to play at a higher level, it never never crossed the line. But he was always a, a good player. We signed him as a right back, didn't we, in the the seventeen eighteen season? But he was just that good because he's come from a Premier League academy. He was able to sit in central midfield fairly fairly effortlessly so he's up at Blackpool now and they lost Glenn Whelan so a big a big experienced player moved to, to Bristol Rovers he followed Joey Barton and went to went to Bristol Rovers they lost a decent chunk of experience there with uh, with Connolly and Whelan moving out the door oh. yeah Connolly I think Connolly was one that was fairly high up the list I think of, of, of yeah. potential targets um, but you wonder how I don't think it was ever particularly close but um, I, I kind of wonder how early he knew he was going to Blackpool to be honest I think this, as soon as Blackpool uh, a championship club came in for him I think that was that wasn't it really you, you you're going to want to play in the in the championship if you can once you're sort of I mean, he must be what mid-20s now mustn't he 25 something like that I would guess um but he did very well for us didn't he I thought during yeah. the span playing in midfield and uh, I know Mick McCarthy was a big fan of his yeah, great yeah. plan. Obviously, being from that part of the world, I guess he wanted to settle a bit closer to home as well. Maybe it's too too warm and sunny down in Suffolk. He's missing the drizzle and the uh, <laughs> the wind that we get up here. Um, so, what to expect from 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 uh, Fleetwood? Uh, so they are very good at set pieces. They they've scored twenty goals, like I said earlier, and nine of them have been from from set pieces. Four have been direct free kicks from Danny Andrew. So that is a big big weapon for them. He's he's done an interview today where he said he's never scored four goals in a season, let alone four free kicks in the first three months. So it's a, that's a big worry for us. We need to be on our game and, and make sure we're not giving away free kicks in and around the area because his left foot is absolutely lethal. Um, they prefer a shorter playing style, so they're not really a long ball side. They're kind of averaging 300 to 310 short passes per game. To, to put it in perspective, we average about 375, um, and they're averaging 68 long balls, long passes per game, and we're averaging 90. So, so not really a, a long ball side. They are the king of the interceptions away from home with 12 and a half per game and they can be quite niggly and quite foully too which I guess you know when you've got the likes of Garner coming off the bench does kind of make sense you know he likes to put himself about a little bit averaging 13 fouls a game 
Um, they average 47.8 possession, uh, so they're happy to, to sit back and let sides sort of, you know, they're not, they're not going to be ones that are going to look to knock it around and really dictate the play. They will sit back and simply wait and then look to, uh, to exploit set pieces. Um, only one clean sheet so far this season, which is obviously quite crucial. You know, the, the form we're in with the goal scoring, we need to make sure we, we take full advantage of that. Um, their defenders are quite big. They've got some six-footers, some six-ones, some six-twos, but they are quite static, so they're very, very weak against against through ball. So if we can get the likes of Chaplin, the way he's playing and Macaulay Bond playing on the shoulder of the last man, there's no reason why those those through balls can't really, really do some damage. They've only won once away from home as well, but it was quite a uh, quite a noticeable win. It was a 4-2 victory against Rotherham, away to Rotherham, um, which obviously made a few people stand up and, and take note. But apart from that, that's their only win. And they've only won one out of the last five games. So they are there for the taking. It's just, you know, can we are we able to put them to the sword and really look to build some momentum? They do. They do score a lot of goals, and they they've scored. I appreciate it's crew. They scored three at home to crew. They scored three away to MK Don. They scored two away to Sunderland, and as you say, they scored four away to Rotherham. So, scoring scoring goals isn't really an issue. I don't think we'll be um, putting our Blue Monday um, pot of cash on a on a nil nil at the weekend. <laughs> no, yeah, yes. like Confield, sorry. No, no, so you go. No, I'm just with the, you know, with the, it should be a, it's been like the MK Dons game. Do you remember we were all saying that could be a, uh, a bit of a high scoring game? It's got that feel about it as well, I would say, given the form we're in. We're, are we still second to Fulham, I think, in the football league for, for goal score? But obviously we are ropey at the back and they can score um, pretty decently. So, yeah, I, I think this might be quite a high scoring game, personally. It's a bit like the Joe Roy era all over again, isn't it? It's sort of any week can end up four two, can't it? At the moment, or uh, yeah, I think we are going to we're going to have more fours and sixes, aren't we? As, as the season goes on, yeah. I think we're going to yeah. we are the, the, the sort of hundred goals. I think we're we're on for well in excess of that at the moment, aren't we? In the, the way we're scoring, Real, goals. don't say things like that in October, for goodness' sake. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I was I was talking to a chap. I dropped my car for his MOT earlier. Um, rock and roll. Um, but the guy, one of the guys in the garage is an Ipswich fan. He's a slightly younger Ipswich fan. Um, but he was just saying that he's now enjoying going to watch games of football. And that was, that's what he said. You know, I'm just, I can't now wait until the weekend. I actually want to go and watch him. I want to go and see us play. It's, it's entertaining to watch. And you know, he's, he's probably had a few years of his formative years of watching slightly, slightly less exciting football, should we say? So yeah, it's a, it's just a question of, Keep them out at one end, but if you score more than more than the other team, then then happy days. In terms of um, formations, Seb, what they did a bit um, here, they're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, very inconsistent. So three, five, two is what they've played most. Three at the back, a variation of three at the back is what they've played most. They've played three at the back six times in total. A variation of sort of three, five, two, and three, four, one, two. Uh, the last five games, it's been four, two, three, one, three times, but it's been three, five, two in the last two games. So I would assume they will stick to that. It looks like Tom Clark won't be back in the centre of defence. So the the back three is likely still to be uh, Hill. Clark and um, sorry Hill Johnson and Danny Andrew and they play wing backs and they they very heavily look to overload the right hand side with the, with the wing backs. Well, that's interesting because Portsmouth played three at the back didn't they? And we really exploited that gap behind their their wing backs didn't we the weekend? So I'd imagine Paul Cook's probably got his fingers crossed that uh, he'll be up against another another three five two at the weekend maybe. Yeah, Danny Andrews, the one that plays the, the left centre-back, the left of the three. So if Danassian can do what he did on, on Tuesday night and really look to bomb on and put pressure on him, then hopefully we can get some joy down that side again. Um, so in terms of their, their starting 11, you've sort of gone through the back three. Who have they got for the rest of the team? Well, Jordan Rosita is the sort of the, the name that we all kind of remember. I remember him very much from, from football manager kind of days. If you were looking for a central midfielder, he'd always be one of my one of my go-to kind of guys. Left the Liverpool Academy to go to Rangers, and he must have caught the eye of Joey Barton. I forgot Joey Barton was at Rangers for a very brief spell, and he sort of took him to, to Fleetwood on loan, and then he signed him permanently. So he'll be the, the sitter. I think he missed the last game of the injury, but I think he's meant to be back. So he'll be the sitter alongside Jay Matey, who's come through their academy. Um, and then Callum Crumps is their, their number 10. He's their sort of midfield creator slash attacking play. He's got uh, two goals and three assists so far this season. And he's the one looking to, to load the ammunition for their, their star striker, which is Gerard Garner, not Joey Garner, Gerard Garner, who's got five goals from, uh, from the 12 games so far this season. Okay. So he's, um, we think that Gerard Garner's good. He, isn't he the guy that they had, they've had for a while and then he 
He's had loans he, he, like everywhere. everywhere on loan, yeah, non-league yeah. and all sorts. And he's literally just come back this season and started, That's it. started yeah. a house on fire, isn't he? Yeah, perennial loan. He went out on loan. He's about 21, 22, I think. Went out on loan, did all the lower league stuff. And then he's been given his chance this year. And yeah, to be fair, he's, he's, he's not looked back so far. He's uh, All five goals have come within the penalty area. So he's a bit of a, a bit of a poacher. He's not great in the air. He's not overly big. He's only won 12 out of 48 aerial duels in the, uh, in the penalty box so far this season. So he's not amazing in the air. But um, he's a bit of a, a bit of a fox in the box and a bit of a poacher. So is is he your he's, your Richard Woodward curse? He's, he's not. Player no, of the, I'm, player of the week. Player of the he's sorry, not, no, I, <laughs> I thought he was too obvious. So I'm going to try and break the curse, hopefully, because Rich's level of accuracy is is ridiculous, isn't it? So I'm going to go for the left centre back, Danny Andrews, simply because of his set piece and his delivery threat. So any corners, any free kicks, any direct free kicks, we really need to be on the money because, like I say, he's got four goals so far this season. He's got three assists, and all four goals have come from set pieces. So he's the man to watch, and let's hope we don't give him too many opportunities on Saturday. So when the, when the fun stops and please gamble responsibly, we're looking for a, a Danny Andrew goal and an Ipswich Town win, yeah? That'll do, yeah, that's fine, yeah. A nice high-scoring game and a, a Danny Andrew goal would be great. Yeah, you, you don't think sort of four ones and things, are, they're not really a surprise in this division, are they? <laughs> sort of, there's a lot of goals in this division, aren't there, at the moment? And uh, so, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, that, that's not an unlikely scoreline at all. Okay, right. Hold on to your hats, everybody. It's Seb's Fact of the Week. <laughs> now, I, I, I did... I, so. I, yeah, well, no, here's the thing I need to pick up with you, mate. That photo of you there must be yeah. about 25 years ago, oh, yeah. mustn't it? Yeah, much thinner, much less oh. wrinkles, much more hair. Yeah, I think that's from one when me and Rich were going out in Birmingham in the mid-2000s on nights out at uni and stuff. So I, I'm not entirely sure where he's got it from, but it was a, a much less stressful time. It's like the same one that Rich has got on his on his player to watch. He's got like shoulder-length hair, I think, and like a clean, clean, clean shape. He's like about 12 years old in it. That's from the, uh, there was a courtyard in the old town in Dusseldorf in the, during the Mick McCarthy preseason friendly. It was, uh, that was taken there. We had a, a great and away trip there. And yeah, we've, we've, we've both not aged great. So, <laughs> right. The fact of the week this week, uh, Fleetwood Town hold a Guinness world record. They've got a player, an ex player called Nathan Pond, who played for them between 2003 and 2018. And because he played in seven different divisions for the club across the course of six promotions, he was, uh, he was recognized by, uh, by Guinness as that's the, the longest, sorry, the most, uh, the world record for appearing in the most different divisions with a single football club. That's well, quite something, isn't it? I thought that, yeah. So he was there 15 years, six promotions, seven different leagues. I think it was about 420, 430 odd appearances. So, yeah, nice to see him recognised by uh, by the Guinness World Records. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's really going from the verge of park football to, to league football, isn't it? To, with one club. It's quite remarkable, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty. So he, crikey, so he was a, hold on, he was a small pond in a big. Oh, right. by the time you finished yeah nice <laughs> okay it's that time of the show everybody the the time you've all been waiting for cue rich's horrible intro music right room 101 now let's let's bring this up just because you know Rich told me to. He and I've, I've spoken to Seb about this in the in the green room, and we're not entirely sure that this league table should should be structured exactly how how it is currently. There's there needs to be some sort of points per game um, rating going on here, rather than purely how many wins. Because you know this, this is the this is the realm of Rich and Seb. You know Phil and I are, are merely interlopers on this with cuckoos uh, <laughs> this weekend so you know being a hundred being a hundred percent merchant myself you know I'm, I'm more than happy to uh to go by a, a points per game um rating um <laughs> and also actually i've got another slight bone to pick about this because it needs to be some sort of handicap in place here because not only have we now got a three-way split rather than a 50 50 split we've got Phil, who's got his, his own fan base out there, swaying, <laughs> swaying the vote. So I think 
They'll just vote against me. <laughs> if Seb and I get anywhere close to him, I think it's going to be a moral victory. If nothing, we need another need another column in the table for uh, for a moral victory. Um, so last week Seb won with his um, international games against Minnow Nations, um, I believe that was, and and Rich was quite confident in his, um, but no, he got turned over. Um, so we'll put this out to the vote um, alongside the the link to the the audio and the and the video later on. Um, which one of you two guys? I'm gonna I'm gonna go last because mine's probably the weakest. So which one of you two guys want to go first? Do you want, we'll Phil, let Phil, do you want to, Phil, Phil be in the guest yeah, go first. Absolutely, go on, Phil. What you okay, okay. I, I, I certainly agree with a lot of those by the stuttering penalties. I think that's that's. I think everybody can get behind that except the players who do it. I think, aren't they? Um, I don't know what goes through their minds, but this is more of a kind of sort of journalistic thing, I suppose. People referring to league matches as ties, which I think is something that's crept in in recent years. I've no, a tie is a cup game, yeah. You know, what I mean, cup game. It's a cup tie. It's a third round cup tie. It's not. It's not. You know, Ipswich versus third Fleet. round cup. A third round cup it's tie. Right. What yeah, the hell yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I told you it was. A, it's a few years ago. Um, <laughs> You know, it's Ipswich v Fleetwood is not a tie. You keep sort of seeing this being referred to, and, and I was talking to, to Rich about this, and he wondered whether it came out of a out of American sport, um, whether they refer to sort of league games as ties. I I don't really know a lot about American sports, so I, I I don't know whether that's the case. But it is, yeah, something that's creeping in. It's sort of you know, you're sort of typing away or editing something, and someone sort of writes that, and yeah, it's, no, no, but cup ties, league league matches, cup ties. That's that's mine. It's probably as weak as yours. <laughs> well, that remains to be seen, mate. Seb, what you got? I'm going to go for corners. Now, I'm not crazy like Rich and trying to completely... No, no, not trying to <laughs> rewrite the rule book like he did last week. I'm going for corners where the players have this newfound... Well, it's not new. It's been around for about two or three years. They have this weird thing where they, they'll put the ball barely touching the quadrant to take yeah. the corner. And I just don't really understand why. What difference does it make? I mean corners are you know with the, the conversion rate from a corner is so low anyway what difference does it make that extra millimeter two millimeters you know the linesman stands there and checks and makes sure the tiniest bit of it is touching the paint on the pitch and i have never ever understood that one you know they're professional footballers they can whip a ball into the to the middle and and, and why does that extra <laughs> no, one minute, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> some, some can and some can hit the first man straight away <laughs> but uh what, what difference does that extra millimeter make i don't see the point of it so that's that's mine this week Sorry, mate. It's just that horrible, just gaining an advantage, isn't it? I just want to gain an advantage. It's like, <laughs> it's a free kick. All right, I'll take the free kick. Let me just backspin it over there yeah. a little bit, gain myself an extra foot, just because I want to do it to show that I'm gaining an advantage. The only thing I would say is uh, sort of Sunday morning football, you, you take a corner and there's a great sort of rut where where the line is do you know what i mean and the ball going on the line it makes it harder to take the corner so you move it forward a little bit but on the modern pitches at efl and, and premier league level and whatever yeah as you say it's just ludicrous yeah, yeah um, pointless waste so, of time i think is what i remember from playing sunday morning football is that the going off on a tangent about quadrants the quadrants were tiny you could barely fit the ball <laughs> or you actually might kick the corner flag whereas having been on a professional pitch they're bloody massive these quadrants they must be a good like yard as the arc goes sort of thing so it's not as if they need to like you know they've got in danger of well famously Matt Letitiae kicked the corner flag didn't he up the north Up-front stand the yeah yeah, that's yeah I remember that in the Premier League yeah um, okay right my one um, this is the one to vote for everyone is part of being a football fan and part of the agreement that you have when buying a ticket to watch your team play is that things may not go quite as you plan they may you may not always go away to Portsmouth and win 4-0 you may occasionally go to Accrington Stanley and lose get beaten up but asking for a refund for tickets and travel following away performance is my room 101 yeah you know the deal when you go and watch a football match it may not end well for you but the goal of taking to social media and asking for a refund for your match ticket or your travel to an away game to some i'm going to upset certain people here northern hellhole is is my my room 101 for this week yeah you, you go into the match you go and be your eyes open you suck it up you go home you moan about it you don't ask your money back 
that's a that's a great shout. Yeah, that is that's one that gets on my nerves as well. You know, the way they just come out and the the, the desperation and the pleas on social media and stuff. It's just embarrassing, isn't it? You know, suck it up. You know what you've signed up for. It's part of the gig. Yeah, yeah I agree. With you. You've got to take the crunchy with the smooth. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't all get to sit in, you know, the, the press box and and eat, eat the hospitality on offer and uh, <laughs> eat the cheese and onion pasty. Some of us have to stand out in the wind and the rain at Accrington. But by the by, yes, say it's what we sign up for. So those, those will be our three for the week. Um, we'll get those out on uh, on social media, and you can all have a all have a vote on them. I say, bear in mind, we'll put the algorithm together to make sure Phil's um, <laughs> family doesn't doesn't sway sway the vote too much but that's our our room 101 okay and i think that's pretty much us we've we just nipped over the the 50 minute mark so i'm going to get my wrist slapped by by richard for uh, for overrunning by five or six minutes so um i'll, I'll wrap this up relatively soon um Again, if you want to, please head to the Greyhound for your pre-match and, and post-match beers. You never know which of the, uh, the Blue Monday team you'll, you'll bump into. Well, actually, you pretty much do know which of the Blue Monday team you'll, you'll be bumping into. Um, I think this weekend, I think Rich and Dave and Mikey are going to meet up for a pre-match beer, actually, um, before the game. So, say so please go and see the guys at the Greyhound. Um, give them your custom and, and say hello from us. Um, the flagship show... We'll be out on Monday. It's being recorded Sunday night, I believe. Um, Mikey, Rich, and Dave are penciled in for that. Um, all of our details in terms of uh, our social bits and pieces are on our website. We now have a, uh, a website. I will quickly stick it up at the uh, bottom here. BlueMondayITFC.co.uk. You can uh, say contact us and go get links to the latest podcasts and uh, bits and pieces on that. Um, and of course, please continue to use TWTD for all of your Ipswich Town news and message board forum fun and games. Keep keep Phil on his toes. Um, <laughs> uh, a mediation um, perspective. Um, so yeah, so you're looking forward to the game. Tomorrow, guys, I'll I'll ask you rather than any last words. I'll just ask you for a prediction. Actually, um, said what you uh, what are you looking for tomorrow? Well, like we say, we think there might be goals in this game, so I'm going to go for a three-one to Ipswich. Pretty pretty confident with this one, but I have said that on this show in the past, and uh, it's not worked out well. But yeah, three-one to Town for me. Lovely. Yeah, I'm similarly confident. I think uh, <laughs> the way we played on Tuesday, I think if we if we play anything like that. Um, I think we'll have more than enough to... I think the, the confidence we're starting to show and the self-belief we're starting to show. And I, I think now we're, we're, we're probably losing that Achilles heel, as, as, as Paul Cook referred to it, of, of conceding goals. Well, touch wood. Um, and, yeah, I, I, th I think the, the, the 4-1 we alluded to earlier, I think that all uh, that could well be the scoreline. Wowzers! It's just it's just nice to see, isn't it? That when we you can just as you just say, Phil, that the confidence in the team and that when things click and we score goals like the the um, Wes Burns goal on Tuesday, I thought it's just a lovely goal, just nice play, just inside the fullback or the the wing back, and that first time cross and the first time shot. And when the players all come together, you just think you can just see that they think, yep, this is now starting to starting to click a little bit, isn't it? So, yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. I'm going to be equally as um, optimistic bloody hell what are we doing here fellas we're going all in i'll go i'll go with seb actually I'll, i'm gonna go three one and it'll be your, your man the, the left center half will score that uh <laughs> will score that consolation for them um so yeah thank you very much fellas i say thank you for uh joining us phil thank you very much uh well, good to you. see you mate we'll say as you say we'll um hopefully have some news on some um new interviews in the not uh, to distant future they're they're being lined up and, and arranged as we speak seb good to see you my friend thanks very much um and if we don't see you before we'll no doubt see you uh at this point next week um and i say yeah so that's it for me so last words i don't know really two wins on the trot it's not too much to ask is it <laughs>
Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.